Wow, that's awesome. This ought to be a celebration day. Let's have lunch. Let's get together. Turn around, look at somebody and say, congratulations. Well on your way to 200 years old. You look pretty good. We are delighted that you're here with us today. Welcome to Stratford House Church. It's going to be another great day. I'm believing God is just, we're on a, I believe we're on this like wave. And we are just going to keep riding this thing until Jesus comes to bring his church back. I'm thrilled because I can tell you there were more answered prayers this week. There were more testimonies of God. You ought to say amen right there. I love answered prayers. I love it when God comes through and we are able to testify to the goodness of God. And people are just coming forward with so many different uh, prayer needs that are being met. And God is just answering and doing great things. It, it was great. I, I was talking with, with uh, uh, Sister Brown, actually. I'll just go ahead and name her. It's Janelle's mother. She called this last week and she was just having a difficult experience. There was a, a physical need that was happening at that moment. She was talking to her daughter and Janelle said, hold on. Next thing I know, she's got me on the phone. And I'm, st I'm in the office and I'm, I'm just getting a hold of God. How many of you know God works through the, through the telephone lines? Immediately, I started to pray for her, and I felt the power of God fall in that office. And immediately, I knew. I told Janelle, I said, something happened. That's, the power of God was there. And I want you to know, by the time she got home, she called Janelle and said she hadn't breathed so good and, and forever. And from that moment forward, I saw her the other night. She said, I just keep getting better and better and better every day since then. Answered prayers are awesome. And how many of you know? Don't worry. I'm smart enough. I know it doesn't have anything to do with me personally. I know I'm not Superman. But I know who my superhero is. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he deserves the praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. How many of you are thankful today? Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. I said, for the Lord is good. That's better. His mercy is everlasting. Now y'all acting like I think you ought to. You know, sometimes we just need, you know, to just let down our hair and just get into some good amens and hallelujahs. How many of you are Pentecostal, on fire, Holy Ghost filled Christians? For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Why don't you give the Lord great praise one more time in this house. Amen. So in this very first service of the second century, it is going to be important for us to set the ground rules. The ground rules are this. We're here to worship God, to love God, love one another, make connections with our brothers and sisters, and we're here to make sure you know that we love Jesus with all of our hearts right here. We're going to disciple and train until Jesus comes. So right now, you get to prove that you love your brothers and sisters. I want you to get out, find at least 20 people. It means you got to move fast because they're going to do the song double time. 20 people, shake their hands, let them know you love them and you're great, glad to see them in God's house this morning. God bless you.
you for that wonderful welcome. I got to shake hands with so many people, over 20. So we're doing good, we count them as we go. But we're so glad to be in God's house today. And we've asked, we're gonna ask you to join with us at this time as we pray for the nation of Israel. The Bible says, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is about his people. He loves Israel, that's the apple of his eye. And he knows their situation, and he has worked all these years to bring them to where they are now, only for them to be in such trouble with the nations around them. But we're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Can we do that today? Let's just go to the Lord in unity this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to call on you. We know how you love us. Lord, you love us so much, and you love Israel so much. All through your word, we see where you loved them and you drew them to you and you took care of them and you blessed them. And we pray today, God, as they are in their homeland again and you have made that possible for them to be there, that you would put protection and safety around them. Lord, let the angels of the Lord encamp round about that nation and protect it and keep it. We pray for a great revival to break out, Lord, where men and women will accept Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we just pray for Israel's spiritual condition today, too, that your Holy Spirit will work in their lives and that the scales will be lifted from their eyes and they can see and accept that Jesus is the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for your promises to us. And thank you for hearing and answering prayer. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Good to be in God's house this morning. I want to thank all of you who were here last week. Uh, just the place was absolutely jam-packed. Um, chairs down the aisles and just so many people were here and just good to just fellowship with so many that came from out of state and just just precious to see so many of our members and former attenders and former pastors and staff and, uh, and and so many of you you know you thank a lot of people that helped with the banquet and helped with parking and helped with the chairs and the pictures and but you know you help make the church the church so thank you. Thank you for loving, for supporting. You know, I had a, a minister friend of mine not too long ago. They said, boy, what do you do with all the, all the fighting Christians do these days? And I was like, we don't have very much of that. Every now and again, you know, you'll get somebody that's got a thorn in their saddle. But most of the time, you know, I, I looked at some of the, some of the pastors were talking about you, staff problems years ago and I was like no, these are my best friends we we get along great brother sergeant looked at me and he said you need to not take for granted that everything is in place and that God's given favor and blessing and that church is going to go forward to do more than it's ever done before amen <laughs> We believe in unity here. We believe in brotherhood, sisterhood here. We believe in loving God first and foremost. We're not a people that has to have pats on the back. The people that have to have the pat on the back usually don't stay very long here. We love to say thank you. 
We love to honor people. But if that's all you're about, you don't ever really feel comfortable here. You don't stay very long. Because we're people that think all the glory and all the honor goes to God only. He gets it all. And we are a church that wants to be a city set on a hill that when people in this city are hurting, no matter what color they are, no matter what kind of trouble they're in, no matter how far away or far into sin they've gone, we are a church that believes that we ought to be a place that when they're looking for Jesus, they say, I know a place. Stratford Heights Church of God. Amen. That's our heart. I want to remind you of the fact that tonight we will not be having service here at, at our facility. We will be having service at the Princeton Pike Church, our sister church down in Hamilton. Tonight begins the fall camp meeting. And uh, Bishop Wayne Doherty, our overseer, will be speaking tonight at the camp meeting. And that'll be Monday night, uh, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Tuesday night. Um, They've asked me to help open the service, and then we are being treated to our exaltation choir and orchestra will be leading in the music presentation that evening. So if you're going to plan on only one night, go Tuesday night, uh, but hopefully I'll see you uh, every other night as well. Bishop uh, Doherty will be speaking this evening. Tim Oldfield's going to be speaking. Uh, I believe, um, I think he's speaking the Monday and Tuesday night, so he'll be the guest speaker, and he's a tremendous minister and pastor, so we'll be excited to be down there. Um, as I considered and, and contemplated our time of giving this morning, you know, I, I prayed and I said, Lord, I don't ever want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse, I don't want to, you know, browbeat the people. Lord, what do you want from me this morning concerning our gifts? And the Lord spoke only one word to me. He said, you tell them that I'm faithful to a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. And so I appeal to your gifts as we receive the offering today. That God is faithful. And as you trust in him and you honor him and you look at all the things he's done for you the little bit that he asks us in return is is minimal in comparison to who he is in our lives can you say amen to that amen, amen. father we come before you this morning we thank you for what we consider to be worship lord we're not people who give grudgingly but you said in your word you love a cheerful giver lord we give today we support missionaries all around the world, and Lord, we've taken on this accountability and responsibility, and we thank you for the people who are part of that. Lord, we've taken on a building project to expand our own ministries here, and Lord, to do more for the kingdom than we've ever done before as we prepare for your coming. I thank you for the people who are helping us to do that. I thank you, Lord, for Clayton Street and the mission that has come to us as a free gift. Lord, we are going to take on that accountability and responsibility and work hard this year at fulfilling the promise we've made to you that we will turn that into a mission that will love this city. So I thank you for the people who are here to help in making that a reality. I pray your blessings upon their homes, their lives, their hearts, their finances. I pray that you will make it possible for us to continue to see miracles unfold in every way that God honors your kingdom and your work through this local body.
Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, if you're a singer or a worshiper or a musician, we have a place for you right here. God's getting ready to move. We need more seats in the sanctuary. And I'll just pack this choir until I'm standing right here and you're right here.
Praise 
Cause I 
Sent your presence right now. 
Father, come in and move through this congregation. Lord, if there are sick bodies as we praise you and as we worship you, Lord, I pray that you heal. Heal us through our praise this morning, God. You are so wonderful. You are so wonderful. Hallelujah. There's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Would you say that name? Jesus. Say it. Jesus. Shout Jesus. We praise you. before he's ever grown. The illness of a loved one and a widow no one knows. There is one solution, one answer for it all. There is power in the name Oh, there is strength. 
Wow. How many of you believe what we're singing about this morning? There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. The Word of God says, There is no other name given among men whereby we might be saved. The name of Jesus. At that name, the Bible says, Every knee should bow. Every tongue will confess. Both of things in heaven and un- in earth and under the earth. And one day, every knee will bow and proclaim that he is Lord. Why don't we do that right now together? He is Lord. Why don't you say that? He is Lord. Amen. Amen. We're ahead of the game. There is not, you know, I can't wait. And I've, I've preached this years ago. It's actually one of my best messages ever. One person agreed. <laughs> I remember I was thinking about that. And I thought, you know, I can't wait until we are living out Revelation and we're all standing there before the throne of God at the great white throne. And we're, we're literally the, the elders and the number of them, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands standing there together. The angels have stepped aside and we, the redeemed, the bride of Christ, have come through to take our place. And we're all there together. And I can't wait until the end of it all. When that old angel, all of a sudden, we, just, we hear some rumbling and some chains rattling. And we hear something being taken against his will. It's that old slew foot, that dragon, that enemy. The one that has been deceiving and diluting and tearing down the promises and the knowledge of God for so many years. When that old animal was brought out, put center stage. And I can't wait until the angels of God are standing there and the father looks down at him and says, go on. And he says, no. And Jesus says, yes. The devil says, no. Now this is Ray Phillips' theology. And the father says, now. And that old angel looks at him and with whatever weapon he has to use, he literally knocks that old devil down to his knee. And the whole resounding crowd says, say it. And the devil himself, the Bible didn't say 99% of all knees. It says every knee will bow. I can't wait until he has to bow his knee. And he looks up into the bride, into the groom. He looks into the son of God's face. And the father says, now go on now. And he says, he is Lord. I'm going to cheer, I'm going to clap, I'm going to scream, I'm going to holler, I'm going to whistle if I can. I think in heaven I'll be able to do it real good. I'm going to make all the noise I possibly can in that very moment. I'm telling you, don't you dare for a second put that all off as fable and storybook rhymes. I'm here to tell you there is a day and an hour coming when that old enemy that has perjured himself and he has done his best to destroy every child of the living God that one day that old enemy is going to have his last day and I believe his last words are going to be he is Lord I believe that don't you amen praise God and boy what a time we're going to have now right Stephen good to see you buddy as you stand with me for the reading of God's word And thank you for being here today. 
the presence of God has been good. Thank you, Gary and Exaltation Choir and Band, Orchestra. They've led us into the presence of God, haven't they? Amen. Joshua chapter 23, going to read down through verses 1 through 11. Going to read from Old Testament, going to jump to the New Testament. Going to talk about loving God. Loving God. Joshua 23. While we're turning there in our scriptures, I want to make welcome today. Phyllis and Amor Stephan, visiting from out west. Wait, raise your hand, guys. We want to see you. Such Sandy's, this is her family, and we're so glad they're back. But they're home, really. They were married out of this church. I remember a story about wedding rings way back in the day when that was a big debate. And uh, I, it's good to see you all. I'm glad you're here with us today. You've just come home. Also, very happy to honor and, and have with us today, uh, is it Donette and Nicholas? Where are you guys at? Where are you? God bless you. We have been praying for you all as a church. You see all these people, every one of us, have been praying for you and your family. The little Alejandro. We know he's in the presence in, of God, and he's a, he's a happy young man, and God is with him. But we're praying for you. Joshua 23, verse 1. Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua, one of my favorite people in the Bible, was old and advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers. And he said to them, I'm old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of, their, of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. But you shall hold fast. To the Lord your God as you have done to this day for the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations but as for you no one has been able to stand against you to this day one man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you therefore verse 11 last verse therefore take careful heed to yourselves this is the word of Joshua that you love the Lord your God. He took a lot of time there to set up his number one statement. He said all that, in other words, to say this. Don't, don't get lazy. Don't get careless. Take heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Father, I ask your blessings 
on the Word of God and the needs of our congregation. Thank you for those who are here today. I thank you for this family that, of little Alejandro. I pray that you would bless and touch them, comfort them, and strengthen them. I pray that you will touch, Lord, the Baker family today who lost Sister Devney, that Debbie's mom. We thank you, Lord, for touching and comforting the family and being with them, strengthening them through the next difficult days that lie ahead. Pray in the name of Jesus you would touch and minister to them. And Lord, in my own family this week, the loss of Donna, thank you that your comfort and strength has been there for us. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We trust you. We know that we can give to you not only the, the easy things, the small things, but Lord, we can give to you the big things. We trust in you. We thank you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about the love that we have for God. I don't want to talk to you about the love of God. We spend a lot of time talking about the love God has for us. We spend a lot of time talking about the grace and the mercy of God, the love of God, the power that is at work in our lives and how he loves us so unconditionally, no matter how good we are or bad we are. We talk a lot about the love that God has for us. We also talk a lot about the love that we should have for one another. We talk about that often. But today, I want to approach a completely kind of separate issue, a thing about us that should be more, more understood, something that can't be so easily measured as we can measure the love of God and our love for others. I'm going to ask you a question today. The question is simply this, do you, do you love God? Do you love him? It's not nearly as easily answered as you think. I've asked my father to sing a song that he's sung most all of my life around our piano at home as we were growing up. I asked him if he would sing this song for us because it's a song that relays the message this morning about our love for God. Dad? Without him I could do nothing Without him, I would surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without him, I would be dying without him I'd be enslaved without him life would be worthless but with Jesus 
That's my daddy. <laughs> Used to hear that song all my life. We have always had a piano, and I always had guitars. And any hour of the day or night, you'd always hear my dad in there playing or strumming. Either the bass or the guitar, the electric guitar, or the string guitar, or the piano. He, he plays it all. Always, that was one of the songs we would hear growing up, among many others. But I grew up knowing that without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, life would be worthless. I'd be like a ship out there without a sail. Joshua knew this. Joshua was making it very clear. He wanted the people to understand very clearly something I want us to understand. is we know the church always moves alongside of and parallels to the commands and to the work that God has always done in Israel. And here in the United States, we have a remnant of the church. Used to be a lot bigger than it is now, but nevertheless, we're a God-blessed country because of the remnant, the people that love God. Joshua looked at the children of Israel and he had a command for them. He, he was old in age and he, he knew he needed to share something with them before he departed this life. He, he thought, if I were going to challenge them with something, there, there's something extremely important I need to leave with them. He didn't talk about their weapons. He didn't talk about their warfare. He didn't talk about their leadership. He didn't talk about their, their nationality or their, their voting categories. He didn't talk about their politicians. He looked at him and he said, remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done. How he delivered you from Egypt and the bondage of slavery. Remember how he brought you to the wilderness and took care of you and brought you to the river and brought you through. And when your enemies came at you to destroy you, the God who fights for you destroyed your enemies. It has always come through for you and given you victory so that you shall have his promises when it's all said and done. 
And Joshua looked at him and he said, do not forget these things and take heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. You jump to the New Testament and you see that this is a resounding message. All throughout the Word of God, there's a trail of, of commands, but there's an overriding theme. It comes down to this, love the Lord your God. Love Him. We know that He first loved us. We know that God is love. So in order to know God, you must love. We know in the New Testament, in the book of John, it talks about how love is the identity of a Christian. It's the description, it's who you are, it's what, what labels your life, love. Where there is no love, there is no God. Don't misunderstand that. It's the Bible. We live in a day and time where Israel was a lot like we are today. They were, Joshua was concerned that they were moving outside and, and getting blurry with their morality, getting blurry with their worship, getting blurry with what they perceived as a correct theology. As pagan nations were coming in among them and they were, their enemies were still close by, they were making friends with them and next thing you know, they're, they're kind of worshiping alongside of them and appreciating their cultures and their gods. And Joshua wanted to remind them, don't bow to them, don't give in to them and don't worship with them. Don't get lazy and turn to the left or to the right. I'm warning you, understand there's one God. And I would remind us today, especially in a day where our morality is in question, when the world has went bonkers with its ideas of lifestyle change and acceptance and tolerance, and I'm not here today to preach politics. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for today. I am going to tell you that it's important in our lives that we are Christians to the last minute of our breath. That we do not stand for parties, we do not stand for politicians, we don't, we're not Democrats or Republicans, we are children of God. And when it's all, amen. And when it is all said and done, ladies and gentlemen, you will not be judged by the platform of your voting category. You will be judged by the word of God. And this is what you must, when you go to the voting, when you go to the voting booth, I pray, and this isn't even in my notes, but you need to take this right alongside of you. It better be one place or the other. Either get it in your hand if you don't know it, or whatever's in your heart, take with you. And you must vote the conscience of the word of God. That's all I'll say. And I'm not running for president of the United States. Joshua wanted to warn the people because he was giving them kind of two scenarios. He's saying, you know, the covenant of God, the covenant that God has made with Israel, he promised you the land. He has given you your enemies. He has given you victory over and over again. How many in here today would say with me and testify alongside of Israel that God has always come through for you? You have gone through the trials. You've gone through the valleys, the mountaintops. You've gone through the loss of loved ones. You've gone through the terrors. You've gone through horrors in this lifetime. But God has always come through for you. Testify this morning. 
I've walked out of the emergency rooms and I didn't get the good news. I've walked away from the cemeteries. I've walked away from the doctor's office and didn't get the report I wanted. I've had situations in my life where there have been all kinds of trouble and turmoil in this world, but God has always come through. He has never failed me, not one minute. So far, I've not met one human being on the face of this earth that was faithful, that was obedient to God, that endured to the end, that ever came back and told me he failed. I've not met one yet, and I'm pretty old. What's somebody say amen for? What's that about? <laughs> Joshua told them, he said, obey the Lord. He's more or less saying, obey the Lord, and he will bless you and keep you in the land. Disobey him, and you cut your, it makes sense. I mean, come on, use your brain. You obey the Lord and his commands. You follow his ways. He reveals himself to you. You literally, your faith soars. You know him. You become acquainted with him. And you become intimate with him. And you know him. Has nothing to do with a church. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. Doesn't have nothing to do with a church. You either know him or you don't know him. I grew up. My, my uh, grandmother lived on Snake Road, right off Diamond Mill, if you know where that's at. I grew up over there. We were on Nolan Road down at the end of the field. We all lived on a big old farm, and, you know, I grew up on that, driving tractors and trucks before I was even 16 years old. My grandmother lived at the end of the field and across the street with Rosie Kish. I loved Rosie Kish. She was the cacklingest, gigglingest little woman you ever saw in your life. She didn't stand this big. She was a sweetheart. She was a Roman Catholic, according to her background. She was from Hungary. And her mother lived in the house and didn't even speak English. I'd walk in there and she'd be mumbling something in Hungarian. I'd be like, uh-huh. <laughs> but Rosie, Rosie had an accent and she would just talk to you. Oh, yes. And she just talked to this really high-pitched little voice. She was the sweetest thing you ever saw in your life. So much so that I, I got a cat this last year and, and it died or ran away or something. I don't know what happened to it, but I remembered Rosie, and so I named that cat Rosie Kish. And it, I'm, look, I'm looking for a new cat now so I can name it Rosie Kish, even though it might die too. <laughs> Are you supposed to feed them? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. Joking. All right. But Rosie was, she lived on this big old farm. She had lots of animals, lots of gardens, and she would always cook these big meals, and she was good with this Hungarian goulash, and we used to love to eat that as kids. And we'd always, I'd always go over there, and in the summertime, I worked for her. I worked on the farm, and I cleaned out chicken coops, and I did all kinds of stuff. You know, I worked for her very, and she'd pay me, you know, good money, and, and so I loved her. And I'll, I'll never forget, I, she, you'd go out there, and you'd see her in the garden. She'd be cackling and laughing, and you'd just be like, Rosie, you're a little off, Okay. And I, I remember one, I was young, probably 15 years old, and I remember going out in the field, and I was going to uh, work in her barns for her that day, and I went looking for her, and I found her, and, and, and she was just chatting away, and just cackling and giggling and talking, and I was like, Rosie, who are you talking to? And she said, well, I'm talking to the Lord. She says, we, I get up in the morning, she goes, I kiss the picture of Jesus at the end of the hall. And I said, good morning, Lord. She goes, what are we going to do today? 
And she goes, and I talk to him all day long. She goes, oh, he makes me laugh. <laughs> I thought it was the cutest thing ever. Everybody loved her in my family. Rosie was amazing. She, it didn't really matter. She really didn't go to church. She hadn't been to church in years. But if you asked her, I'm Roman Catholic. Okay. But you know what was awesome about her? She knew Jesus. She knew him. Didn't matter what religion she was or what theology she was, whether we disagreed or agreed on all that. It didn't matter. Her question to you would have been, do you know him too? Yeah, I know him, Rosie. Oh, isn't he wonderful? She knew Jesus. And that set a precedence in my life, all of my life, to just know Jesus. My family was raised to know Jesus. We were always told it's about this intimate relationship with Jesus, to know that he's real so that when the hard times come and when the troubles come and the winds roar and wave, you know you've got this solid rock you're standing on. It's not a church, a preacher. It's Jesus. And when you're standing on who you know, when you're standing on who you know, then that's the truth that you, you cling to your whole life. I've never forgotten how jovial and how sweet and how precious, how good she was. I've had people before who have come at me and said, well, if somebody's you know, of this denomination or that denomination, they're not going to heaven. And I'm like, all I know is this. Rosie Kish knew Jesus, and if anybody's in heaven today, Rosie Kish is in heaven. Not because of who she was here, but because of who she was. She knew who Jesus was. And what Joshua is trying to get across to the Israelites, and what I want to get across to us today, is simply this. Don't get caught up in the politics. Don't get caught up in the churchiness. Don't get caught up, caught up in the religiosity around you. Because sometimes I'm going to be the weirdest preacher you ever heard. Some are going to walk out of here scratching their head. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's religiosity and religious junk stinks. I hate it. I don't like, I told this in the 830 service, was a little worried. I asked some of my staff, I said, do you think I came on a little strong? I don't like politics in church. I don't like people that use religion. I don't like all that stuff. I never liked it. If you should, you should have known me years ago and how I was. And if you didn't like that, you should have never voted me in. I am a guy who believes in the kingdom of God. I believe in the power of God, the love of God, the intimacy of God. I believe in the church. Don't get me wrong. I believe in the church. But the church is a tool. And the church is the place where you and I gather together to do what? To know more intimately God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we truly give ourselves to that relationship, we begin to have this knowledge that Joshua wants the children of Israel to know. He said, take heed to yourselves that you love God. That you love God. Jesus said it. Jump to the New Testament. Jesus said it. The first and greatest commandment when he was asked by a Pharisee. He says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart your soul, your mind, and your strength. 
said, this is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord. It was Paul walking on the road after he'd had his experience with the Lord. He looked up and he, he couldn't, he didn't know what, how to get closer. He had this hunger and this thirst, this desire inside of him. And he said, that I may know him. That was his greatest desire. He said, in the fellowship of his sufferings, that I would know him and be conformable, if necessary, to his death. So that what? So that I could know him. I want to know him. I don't want to know about church. I don't want to know about preachers. I don't want to want to know about theologies. I don't want to know about your doctrines. I don't want to know all about those things when it comes to what I really want. I want, I want to know him. And in knowing him, that will lead me to his commands. And that will lead me to transformation, to change. And that will lead me to church. But knowing him, that's the goal. That's the heart cry. David said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so does my soul thirst after you, O God. When shall I appear before you? He wanted to know God more fully. He, he couldn't think of what to do. He had been a hunter. He, he knew how a deer was. A deer, when he gets nervous and when he gets chased, he doesn't hide and run to a bush. He runs to water. Hunters know this. A, a deer, when he panics, and when he gets upset, his palate becomes dry, so dry, he becomes thirsty to the point of, of panic. He has to get to water as soon as possible. And David said, as the deer pants for the water brook when he's under attack, when he's panicked, so does my soul thirst after you, O God. So he wrote psalm after psalm, scripture after scripture. So he recounted his own life in detail. Father God looked down at him and said, he's a man after my own heart. Because God is love. The reason we love God is because God is love. God is love. Let me say it again. God is love. So the question is, do you love God? If you know him, you cannot help but love him. It's impossible. It's who he is. Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus answered that question. Hear, O Israel, Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Familiar words. We've heard it all of our lives. But what does it really mean to love God? You think, oh, if I ask the question, everyone in here is going to be like, Gary, do you love God? Yes. I mean, I doubt very seriously if I'm going to find anybody in here who's like, you know, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure. <laughs> do you love God? Everyone's going to say yes. That's the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. Question, Angie, is do we? Do we really? Or is it more like a duty? 
a command. Love the Lord your God. Well, today on my list of things to do, I must love God. So I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible for five minutes. I'll get down and pray for three minutes. By the way, that's the new average. They say the average Christian in America prays three minutes a day. And yet we'll ask all of them, do you love God? Yes. I'd like to see a young bride look at her new husband after having only spoke to her for three minutes in a day and ask her if she feels that he loves her. Peter had a hard time answering this question. Do you remember? It's in John chapter 21. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you. And then he'd say, feed my sheep. We know that that makes... It's, it's an awesome sermon. The sermons that go with that are tremendous. I, I especially love the one where it coincides with the three times he failed him, and it's just showing mercy and love and restoration. It's beautiful. There's lots of great applications to that passage of Scripture. But when you really look at just the words and you break them down, Greek and Hebrew, and look at them real close, it looks different. Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? But... He used a different word. And Peter used a different word. Jesus looked at him at first and said, Peter, do you agape me? Agape love. That's solid love. Unconditional love. The will. You've chosen. You've made a decision. It's without question. I love no matter what. Peter, do you love me no matter what you go through? No matter what winds rage around you, no matter how many people persecute you or hurt you or lie on you or, or just try to destroy you, do you love me? Agape. And you know what Peter said? He thought it would be better, I, I am assuming, to say, Lord, I phileo you. I, I love you like a brother. I, I'm affectionate towards you. My emotions are connected. I'm affectionate towards you, Lord. You're like my best friend. You're my BFF. I love you, Lord. I, are you kidding me? I won't even let you wash my feet. I, I love you. Jesus said, Peter, do you agape me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. I, I, I love you like a friend. I, I love you emotionally, affectionately. He did it again. Finally, Jesus kind of gave up a little bit there, and he said, so do you phileo me? Peter said, Jesus, you know all things. He was kind of irritated. Why are you asking? You know that I phileo you. Even Peter had a hard time really understanding what Jesus was asking. 
unconditional love. The way he loves you. Good, bad, ugly. When you're serving him, when you're not serving him. When you were a filthy, rotten, dirty, low-down sinner in the world doing all the junk that you could possibly do to disgrace yourself and your family when you have done the worst of the worst and you're sitting there, God looks down on your life and He loves you. He loves you the very same as the day you were placed in your parents' arms. And He says, do you love me like that? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me whether, I'm good, whether it's good or bad? No matter what's going on in your life, the winds are raging, the torrents are around you, you feel alone. Do you still love me? And Peter, like so many of us, said, Lord, I'm emotional, man. I, I love you with all my life, all my affection. But you know, you know as well as I do what that meant. It usually means that when we're faced with the fire or the storms or the troubles in our lives, when, when hard things come at us and the rocks are everywhere and we're about to lose control of a situation, we tend to cut and run. Hear me this morning. That kind of love built on emotions are what causes a man to say, I don't love you anymore. Well, we're just not in love anymore. Well, we fell out of love. That's a phileo kind of love, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing more beautiful than when a, I'm standing usually right about here and I'm with the groom and his best man and we're sitting here and we're just about ready and we're waiting on the music and all the bridesmaids have come, the maid of honor's come, little flower girls come down and threw flowers in everybody's face and it's all cool, you know, and everybody's here and the kid with the pillow with the rings is looking up rolling his eyes like he hates the suit he's in. I've seen it a million times. But there's nothing I love more than that moment when it dies and the music changes and suddenly you hear the wedding march and the doors open. I always do this. I want to see the dude. I love the look on a groom's face when the woman that he loves comes walking through that door, decked out to the nines and coming to be with him forever. Ain't nothing more awesome than his face right there. I, I have a picture I want to show you of my nephew Tyler who married Brittany. Show us that. I mean, you got this. That was the moment the doors opened and the wedding march is playing and Brittany comes walking through with that beautiful dress on, and she's looking at him with tears in her eyes, and that's the first look we got. And then you look at the brother. The brother is just like, dude. <laughs> and of course, you know, happy uncle is standing there, and I'm just like, that's my B, that's my Brittany. I was so proud, but I was getting ready to cry. And, and I looked at that picture of him, and I thought, that's it. That's it. That's the look. There ain't nothing more beautiful 
than how a man looks when he's been given his prize, when his gift is coming to him, where God's promises of love have come home and he's got someone he has aligned himself with and cleaved himself to and he's going to be with her. He doesn't walk, she doesn't walk down that aisle and he doesn't step in place to go, I phileo you. BFFs. I'm going to be with you until trouble comes. I'm going to be with you while the emotions are high, baby. But the moment it gets dry or the moment you burn the steak or the, the moment that my clothes are ruined in the laundry, the moment that it starts to get tough, baby, I'm out. No one comes up to the altar of marriage saying, I phileo you. We usually say things like, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. Unconditional agape love. Jesus said, Peter, do you agape me? Because that's the only real love. That's the love that God has for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was saying, I agape you. I love you unconditionally. I love you no matter where you've been, no matter how far down you've gone, no matter how disgraced you feel, I love you. As I mentioned earlier, God's unconditional love means he has never loved you less and he can never love you more because he loves you to the height of his love that is possible with God, which is infinite. God loves you. He will never stop loving you. And he says, do you love me, Peter? And finally, he looked at him and said, you love me as good as a human can, I guess. Feed my sheep. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, we are nothing. Life is worthless like a ship without a sail. It's nothing worse than to go through this life with no destiny. To go through this life with no purpose. With no understanding of the intimacy that comes with knowing Jesus. Jesus. To know the, the passion and the love that God brings we need to love him because we need to know him. When you know him, you can give him the good and the bad in your life. You can give him all of the celebrations. You can give him great praise like we did last Sunday. It was right to honor God for 100 years and the pastors and preachers and missions and ministries that have been birthed in this church clear back. It's wonderful to go back and look at the history and tell the stories. It's amazing to recount it all and bring blessing. That's what Joshua said. He said, man, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget where he's brought you from. 
Don't get sidetracked. Don't move to the left or to the right. Don't get loose. Don't let your morality, don't let your eyes get blurry. Don't buy into the lies of pagan nations and enemies that are against you. They'll try to sway you. And I'll tell you, as a pastor and as a Christian young man, I'm telling you, I consider myself still young. Thank you. Amen. BFF. I fight Leo you. <laughs> Stay on track, Ray. All right. The world is trying its very best. As a young pastor, preacher, I'm more concerned than I've ever been. Because it used to be that the debates were all on the worldly platform, but now they're in the church. And now it's hard at times to find like-minded hearts even in church. There's debates in church. People have turned their focus away from God to worldly pursuits and worldly ideals of success and even church success. Let me tell you something. If your relationship to God is based on whether or not the preacher shakes your hand or visits you or talks to you or befriends you or takes you to old Charlie's, you're going to church for all the wrong reasons. You're not living a life that honors God with that. You've gotten messed up and, and in that process you're going to get disillusioned and you're going to get hurt when your expectations are this high on a man or a church, then it's going to crumble in front of you, guaranteed. You're going to get hurt. You're going to feel abused. You're going to feel mad. You're going to turn it all on God. Let me tell you something. We're doing our best, and we'll continue to do our best. There's a whole lot of you. We're doing our best to love you to show you that we love you, to care for you, and to be there for you, and to provide ministry for you. But at the end of the day, ladies, gentlemen, it is not about our relationships with one another. It is about a relationship much, much deeper than that. It is about a relationship with the creator of the universe who will never fail you. He will never not be there for you. He will never forsake you. He will go with you all the way to the end of the age. Don't let your relationship to God be based on a denomination or a church or a doctrine or a theology or a preacher or somebody that shook your hand or didn't shake your hand. You've got to get deeper into what God is all about. There's something so amazing about the God of the universe. I don't understand. I really don't. I was literally raised that my relationship with God is based solely on me and God. My obedience, my love for him, and his love for me, it is based on that. I never have relegated my attendance or my church experience or my relationship to God with people. I've never done that. I don't even understand it. A lot of times it's very difficult for me to talk to people about it because some people, that's their whole foundation. Well, brother so-and-so didn't speak to me. Well, sister so-and-so didn't talk to me. I knew there was all hypocrites at that church. I don't understand it. Sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but I don't get it. 
from beginning to end. My search, I didn't go looking for a church. I didn't. Now, after I became a Christian, Sister Marie, I wanted to find a good fellowship. And I drove all the way to Middletown from Dayton. And you know what? For six months, nobody spoke to me. I didn't have anybody speak to me except Judy. Judy would always come by and shake my hand, but I sat on the back row. And you know what? I don't remember ever walking out to my car going, hmm, well, nobody even spoke to me. I don't remember that one time. Never. What I remember was for six months, I'm walking in that church, sitting on the back row, and I'm hearing the worship, and I'm hearing the preaching, and I'm feeling the presence of God, and I'm like, this is my church! This is where I want to go. This is, man, this is awesome. I went home, and I'm like, Mom, you wouldn't believe it. It's like camp meeting there. You know, we lived for camp meeting because we grew up in churches where you, you worked 365 days to get to camp meeting. So you'd hear some, well, I ain't going to go there. But, so you'd hear some good preaching and good singing. And we had, you know, different times. You know, there was good music and good preaching and, and good pra- pra- pastors and preachers, but it was hit or miss a lot. I'm just going to stop right there. But we'd live for camp meeting. And I remember going home to my mom, it's like camp meeting. I mean, the whole, it was like you were at Hera Arena. It was beautiful. It was awesome. That's my church. I'm going to go to that church. Well, have you met anybody? No, I ain't met anybody yet. You made friends? No, I ain't met any friends yet. I love my church. You ought to go with me to Middletown. It's awesome. It's called Harlem Park, Church of God. It's the greatest church on earth. Well, you found a girl? No, no girl. Still looking. (laughs) I'm hiding back here now. I'm going to quit. I'm visiting now. I need to quit. (laughs) The challenge is this. Love God. Find God. Search God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, the key to it all says this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's The key, hunger. David was hungry. Moses was hungry. Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Moses, all through the Bible, Ruth, your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. Where you go, I'll go. I just want to get your eyes off of the petty stuff the frivolous stuff, the phileo stuff, so that you'll go deeper into the agape of God's love. So that you'll know Him. So that when you go through the trials and you go through the fire and you go through the hurricanes and the winters and you go through the summers and you go through death, you go through disease, you go through torments and trouble, you won't abandon ship. You'll stand firm. They may tell you you've got brain cancer, but you'll stand and you'll say, my faith is in God, and God will come through for me. His promises are as good for me as they were for the children of Israel. And here she is years later, healed of brain cancer, sitting in the service this morning. God, have faith. Have faith in God.
answered prayers. I, I saw a plaque. I'm going to get this. It's a poster. I'm going to buy it. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly where I'm going to get it from, but I've got to go on the Internet and search it. It says, it's a beautiful thing. It says, answered prayers, and it's got lines all over the place. You're supposed to just, as God answers prayers, you're supposed to just write them in on that poster and keep it in your house framed and real nice. I can't wait to get one. I want one because I'm keeping score. One. There was another one. Two over here. There was several over there. There was several over here. I was talking. I, I think I'm, I might have said it in the, uh, I don't know if I said it in this service or not, but did I talk about Sister Brown? Did I earlier? Answered prayers. Answered prayers. Sister Linda Robinson. Answered prayers. Healed. I'm so in love with Jesus. Not perfect. Don't claim that. But I'm so in love with him. I love what somebody says one time. Young people, you're looking for a, for a mate. You're looking for somebody to go like this when you're walking down the aisle, ladies. I love that old, it's a little poster that's on internet. It says, I want the person, I want, a girl was talking, she says, I want a guy that in order to find me, he has to go searching for God because I'm hidden in God and he can't get to me until he first goes to God. That's beautiful. telling you the key is to be hungry for the Lord. Be hungry for Him. I'm not, I know churches hurt you. I know preachers hurt you. I know all kinds of Christians, even hypocrites. If I was a good devil, I've said this before, if I was a good devil and I was rotten to the core, first thing I'd do at the Stratford Heights Church of God is I'd put about 20 lying, cheating hypocrites right on the pew. I'd wake them up in the morning and I'd say, Go to the Stratford Heights Church of God and sit there and lie and cheat and steal, try to take money out of the offering plate and wink at the pastor's wife. <laughs> if I was a good devil, that's exactly what I'd do, right? If that's all it takes. I've met people, all it takes is one good hypocrite on a pew. I'm out. Phileo. Phileo challenge you to agape, to agape God, to love Him unconditionally. And when you do, you tap into the promises of God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. No matter what we go through, we always come out on the other side. We may walk in on our hands and knees, but we come out stronger than we've ever been. I have never, ever one day regretted July 2nd, 1981, when I got down on my knees at an altar and I accepted Christ into my life, I have not one day regretted it since because it never was built on you. It wasn't built on any people. It was built on the truth of the gospel of God's love over my life. And as I get to know him more and more and more, I find that I love God. So my, my answer is, do I love God? Yes. Yes. Do I love him enough? No. I'm still learning more and more. I'm still learning more and more about him every day. And the more I learn, the more I love. And the more I love, the more I look just like him, trying real hard. Stand with me this morning.
with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask you, I would ask you that serious, hard question, do you love God? Perhaps you've never had a relationship with the Lord. I would say this before I make invitation for those to come to Christ. I would say to anyone here today, if you would like special prayer, this is an altar open invitation. I want you to get out of your seat right now. If you want special prayer today, I want you to step out. Our, our pastors and ministers are waiting. Prayer partners are waiting down here to pray with you. You can begin right now. And I want you to always feel comfortable at this time. This altar is open for prayer. But I would like to ask you if you're here today and you need Jesus. You want to love him. You want your life to reflect him inside you. To change your life. If you need Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Right here today, if you would, we're going to pray a prayer together. And I'd like to pray with you. But I want to know who I'm praying with. Are you here? And you'd say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to make Jesus my Lord. You want special prayer. Anyone else? Anyone? I, I want to pray this morning to receive Christ. Is there anyone at all today? All right. The Holy Spirit's either working on your heart right now or he's not. Is there anyone who would say, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer this morning. I want to receive Jesus into my life. All right. Then church, I want to ask us the question together. Do you love him? Do you know him? Are you hungry for him? Are you thirsty for him? Is it the passion of your own heart and life to know more and more and more about him every day, every hour? Do you love Jesus today? Would you take the hand of somebody standing there close by, a family member or friend? Just someone there, if you're comfortable to do that. Would you pray for them right now? Would you just begin right now to pray for the hunger in their life, for the challenge of God in their life? Would you touch their hearts and lives with prayer to God today? Father, we come to you as a congregation, as a pastor, I bring this church to you. I pray for every man, every woman, every boy and girl, that Lord, they would understand and know your love that they would learn, God, what it is to desire you, to be hungry for you, to love you, to get past all of the hurts in this life, to God truly see you. Touch their hearts today. Mend the brokenness. Heal, Lord, where there's been wounds and touch. Minister today, I pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let your work be accomplished and done, Father God, as we look to you past the stars, past the moon, past the, the, the trivial matters of this life past the emotional kind of love, Lord, that the world has, past it all to see, Lord, into the unconditional love you have given to us. We honor you today. We bless your name. We praise you. We glorify you. We pray for our brothers. We pray for our sisters. We lift them up to you today, praying for you to empower them for your service and for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. Amen. God bless you today. As these are praying, you're welcome to come into the altar for prayer or to just spend time in the altar yourself, whatever you need to do today. God bless you. Remember tonight, 6 o'clock at the Princeton Pike Church, this camp meeting, and Monday and Tuesday, it'll be at 7 o'clock. God bless you.
to pay your tithes or gifts. You can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible for people just like you who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. On Monday, it's Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday, the Oasis Youth Group. Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God in Middletown, Ohio.